Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. I'm excited to be with all of you. Man, was that an amazing time of worship today. Woo! Woo, that was great. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Beth Miller, and I'm the children's and family pastor here at Life Church Buffalo. And last week, I had the privilege of teaching and preaching in our elementary class during both of the services. We were actually talking about um, the Holy Spirit last week. I like to jump around all of our classrooms and spend time. And, um, and so last week, I was in the elementary class, and our team leader for that service, Anthony Frucci, is announcing that, uh, uh, that I'm about to come up. And we got a special guest with us today, and a kid from the crowd shouted, is it John Cena? <laughs> nope, it's not John Cena, it's just Pastor Beth. So that's me today, I'm here with you, but he is here with us today, and that's all, that is all that really matters, that's all that really matters. We are starting a brand new series on the Holy Spirit this week, the Holy Spirit. Some call him the Holy Ghost. I don't know if that kind of spooks you a little bit. Some call him this, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Um, my notes are not in the right order, so let me just get there. Right, You think I would have fixed that right before service would have started, but no, I didn't. I didn't do that. There we go. I'm good. Okay. The Holy Spirit in this topic of conversation can elicit all different kinds of emotions and responses. I've, I find even in my own small group that I've hosted in my home throughout the years that it can really get the conversation going or it can silence the conversation. Be like, nope, I'm not, I'm not ready to talk about that. I know that in this crowd that we have people who are like, yes, the Holy Spirit, I am all about it. I'm so excited that we're going to be talking about it. I want to experience it. I'm excited. I know we have those people here with us today. But I also know that the church that we have here at Life Church Buffalo is that we have people who have been following Jesus for 50 and 60 years and, and are mature in their faith. We also have people who are brand new to their walk and people who are still sitting in our chairs today who have said, I haven't yet placed my faith in Jesus. I'm still leaning in. I'm, I'm, check, I'm checking this out. And we like to say here at Life Church that you can belong before you believe. And so this topic, some of you are all for it, and some might say, uh, uh, we can talk about God the Father, yes. We can talk about Jesus all day, every day, but the Holy Spirit, oh. Maybe you've, you've made fun of something that was once associated with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe, maybe depending on what faith background you came from, you just don't know that much about it. You don't know much beyond the motion of the cross and saying, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Maybe you said yes to Jesus last week and all of this is brand new and you're like, well, I said yes to Jesus. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Tell me more. No matter where you're at, I'm, I'm encouraging you to, to lean in. I think that, that God has something for you today. 
You know, the topic of the Holy Spirit is even a hot topic in, in the church. There are different denominations based solely on their different viewpoints of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I know all that there is to know about the Holy Spirit. Truthfully, leading up to this, to this series, I was a bit overwhelmed, um, feeling a tad. I mean, is the word unqualified even? And I mean, when I think about the Holy Spirit and how big he is and how awesome he is, literally, I'm filled with awe. I'm filled with awe when thinking about the Holy Spirit. I don't have it all figured out, but, and I can pursue him every day for the rest of my life, and I would still have more to learn and more to grasp, but we still want to teach it. We still want to get into scripture and learn and discover and ask that the mysteries of God's word would, would unfold before us. We want to teach his word. I grew up in an Assemblies of God home, and that's the type of church we went to. So if you're familiar with this terminology, I, I grew up in more of a charismatic home. Um, and I have, I've been to different revivals that have happened throughout time that have marked my life. They have marked my life. I also went to a, a Baptist high school and learned a lot from them. And I'm familiar with um, their, their viewpoints on the Holy Spirit and his role in the world today. I've, I've learned some amazing things from some teachers who invested in those years of my life. I've also taken Bible classes from, from people with all different theological backgrounds, all different theological backgrounds. And I can say that genuinely, I love the church. I love people who love God and want to discover what's in the pages of this book. Even with different viewpoints, I love jumping into God's word that brings life to us. And even though the Holy Spirit might be a hot topic for some or it might make you a little bit uncomfortable, I don't think that it means that we should steer clear from those conversations or stay away. We should dig in. We should study scripture we should teach it, and we should pray for understanding. We should pray for understanding. Leading up to this, I had prayed, God, will you reveal to me all that you have for me? And I'd love for you to pray that right off the bat with me. God, will you reveal to me all that you have for me? I want what God has for me. Do you, church? I, I think it's kind of funny that um, just a couple weeks ago, I preached a message that was titled, You Can Pour From an Empty Cup. And then this is the start of a series that's called Filled. <laughs> I think he kind of has a funny sense of humor sometimes. <laughs> but two weeks ago, I had preached a message on a parable that Jesus was teaching shortly before he went to the cross. And, and Jesus taught with the end in mind because he wants us to live with the end in mind. And um, he wants us to live with the end in mind. And in that message, I had briefly talked about the lordship of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is not only our friend and our buddy, but he is our Lord and our master. He is Lord over everything. Okay, 
And so before I really dig into this message, I have to say to those of you who have yet to place your faith in Jesus, but you're coming, you're participating, you're in the chairs, you're watching online and you're still tuning in and you're trying to figure it all out, but you have yet to take that step to place your faith in him, just a heads up that this series, you might think that we're foolish. You might think that we're foolish or crazy. And I just wanted to say that I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. God's word actually tells us in 1 Corinthians that the message of the cross is foolishness to those. He gave us a heads up that the world will straight up think that we're crazy. And so I'm okay with that. But it's also my prayer for you I want you to lean in. I still want you to come. I love that you come to this church. You are welcome here. I am thrilled that you're a part of this church. And it's my prayer that whatever it is that's had you keep coming, that there is this drawing, that is the drawing of the Holy Spirit, that he is calling and drawing you to him. And it is my prayer that you will place your faith in Jesus Christ. He will. You know, I think it's one of the reasons why I love to preach and teach to children so often. I do believe that a child can place their faith in Jesus. I do believe that a child can experience the Holy Spirit. And when they place their faith in him, they just receive the truth of God's word so easy. Like you just teach it to them and you say something and they're like, okay, yup, that's it. I think that's why Jesus in the book of Matthew said, unless if you change and become like a child, you won't be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. That there is a step that we have to take where it's almost, it's, I'm taking the step of faith. I don't get it yet. I don't quite understand, but okay, that's it. And at that moment, what the Holy Spirit is able to do with that kind of faith and make Jesus real to us, I love, I love preaching to kids. I do, I love preaching to kids. Um, if you have your Bible with you, I would love for you to open up to John chapter 14 is where we're gonna be at. Um, I was tempted, I had wanted to read all of 13 to 17, but I thought that that would be a little, a little much to stand here for the entire service. I love this passage of scripture. And so again, we are, we are kind of right before Jesus goes to the cross. And what's recorded in these pages right here is a really special conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. It's, it's right before he knows he's gonna die. So can you picture that setting for a second? What would you be talking to your, your friends, your family, your closest loved ones? And it was recorded. And so one of my challenges to you is maybe today when you go home during this series to take some time and, and read this passage, 13 through 17, reread it a couple times. And Jesus, right before he's going to die, he washes his disciples' feet and he spends time comforting them. And he comforts them with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He promises the Holy Spirit to them. Chapter 14, I'm gonna pick up in verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit 
of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. I'm gonna jump down to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. I love that. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Then I want to jump over, just turn a couple pages to chapter 16, and I want to read two verses from there. Verses 5 through 7. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me where you're going, because I have said these things and you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. God, thank you for your word. What would it accomplish? What it is intended to accomplish in our hearts today. It is for our good that Jesus went away so that he can send us the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus is God and so he could have rose from the dead and stayed on the earth till now. That what, you know, that sounds so fantastic, right? Like if, like he just walked through the door right now, like, hey, Jesus, wouldn't that be so great? But Jesus said it is for our good that he would go away so that he can send us the Holy Spirit. So church, if Jesus said that it's good, I want whatever he said is good. I hope that that's what you feel in your heart. I hope that's the desire that if Jesus said it's good, then I want some of that. How do we describe the Holy Spirit, this awesome God? How do we describe him, the words that we use? I love when I'm talking to a new believer that they're like new to all of this and they don't have the words. It's almost like they're bouncing in their skin because they can't explain what is happening to them. Sometimes they'll even use curse words because they just don't know yet. And they're like what they'll say and they're all excited. It's like on their skin. They don't, how do I explain this encounter that I just had? It wasn't something that I just read on a page. It, it was alive. I have two very vivid memories of my daughter, Addison. Um, she's 11 years old. She just graduated fifth grade, so she's going into middle school. This next year, I'm gonna have a high schooler and a middle schooler. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, I need prayer. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> but Addison has always had a really tender heart. She's always been really sensitive and had a tender heart. And I have two very vivid memories of Addison. I was... It was in my last house, she's maybe three or four years old, and I'm cooking in my kitchen, and I'm playing worship music, and I'm, I'm spending time with him, and I'm singing to him. I'm a firm believer that the Holy Spirit doesn't only want to meet with us at ch in church rows and in altars, but he wants to meet us in living rooms, and in our cars, and on our bedroom floors, and in our kitchens. 
and I'm cooking and I don't know where Addie was. She was like maybe in her bedroom playing or downstairs in the basement and she comes running into the kitchen and she just freezes, mama. She closed her eyes a little bit, mama, I can feel him. I can feel him. And she stayed there for the extent of that song. I didn't call her and tell her to do those things. And she just swayed back and forth. I can feel him. I can feel him. And I have another memory of her. She's in a car seat still with like a harness on her, maybe three-ish, three or four at the time. And I'm in the car and I'm driving. I'm always blasting worship music. And I adjust my review mirror to look at her for a second. She's always been my kid who's quiet in the car and just wants to stare out the window. Like she always looks so pensive. Like, what are you thinking about? What's happening in that little mind of yours? And when I look at her in the rearview mirror at her little age of three years old, she just had tears running down her face and her hand was on her heart. She was having a moment with the Holy Spirit. I believe that children can have moments and encounters with the Holy Spirit. How do we put words to who this God is? You know, our Bible is written, we read it in English. It wasn't written in English. Our Old Testament was written in Hebrew and most of our New Testament was written in Greek. And, and when they first were trying to put it into our language and they're also trying to figure out what words do we use for this? How do we properly translate what they were trying to describe as the Holy Spirit? In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is ruach, ruach. And it's described as a wind or a breath, a violent exhalation or a blast of breath that his spirit was over the waters. The spirit of God was over the waters. In New Testament, there's a Greek word pneuma and it's a current of air, a blast of breath or a strong breeze. He's known as a paraclete, paraclete, one who comes alongside an advocate, a helper or a counselor. Like from the verse that we just read in John chapter 14, and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him and he lives with you and he will be in you. The character of the Holy Spirit is properly described by the Greek word. Who knows you that we're coming to a history lesson today, but the Greek word is allos parakletos, allos parakletos. And this has seven synonyms, comforter, counselor, teacher, helper, strengthener, intercessor, and standby. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as powerful. In Acts chapter 118, he says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit is powerful. He is a mystery. He talks through a burning bush and leads his people by a cloud and a pillar of fire. He talks through a donkey. He's a rushing wind. He's the fire of heaven. He is powerful. He convicts. He comforts. He empowers. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. And so since we have all different types of people who are gathered here today, I, I wanted to do some, some bit of teaching on this and lay the groundwork for certain things. 
I'm going to make four points today. And the first point that I want to make is that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in a triune God that we serve one God with three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And for those of us who've been following Jesus for a really long time, you're like, yeah, doesn't everyone know that? That's so easy to grasp. Time out, pause. That's a really, that's, that's a little bit difficult to grasp. One God with three persons. But I believe it's really important. The reason why I kind of wanted to start right here is that I believe it's really important to have strong, sound doctrine. As you're growing up in your faith and you want to know what we believe, it's important to have strong, sound doctrine and to know what you believe. Because in a generation where so many things sound so close or sound so similar and you're like, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's cool. We need to know what we stand on and what we believe in so that when someone comes knocking on your door and wants to hand you a pamphlet and it sounds similar, close, but someone else may not believe in the Trinity, the triune God, and could possibly believe that Jesus Christ is the first created being and not God himself. That's important for you to know. So I wanted to start here that our God is three in one. He even created us in his image, that we're body, soul, and spirit. And from the very beginning of God's word, he himself describes himself this way. Genesis 1.26 said, then God said, singular, then God said, let us make man in our image. From the very beginning, he described himself in both, in both ways. Now, since I'm a kid's pastor, I like to teach with visual examples. And so maybe some of you guys are visual learners. And I wanted to do a demonstration for any of you who may be struggling with this concept and you're like, I, this, this one's hard to grasp. I'm going to do an example. And some of you are like, I, I know that example. I'm not a fan of it. Oh, well, I'm up here. You're not. But I hope that this helps some of you guys. Okay, so I have a friend out in the crowd who has a glass bowl and an egg, Rich Clarkson. Our group's director, can you come up and help me with this demonstration for a second? Come on up. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to do a demonstration with an egg, okay, to hopefully help teach this concept to some of you guys if this is a brand new concept to you. Okay, so how many eggs do I have? One. I have one egg. Okay. So I'm going to crack this egg, and, and it's all over me. So I've got the goo. I have um, the, the shell, the yolk. Oh, look at that. Oh, <laughs> Last service, I was very tempted to wipe it on him, and then I just wiped the goo on my shirt. So thank you for that. Okay, so I have the shell. I have the goo. I have the yolk. Church, how many eggs do I have in my bowl? One. You got it. You got it. Well, I hope that that helps. I hope that that helps. Last service, someone came up to me and were like, I have not been able to grasp the Trinity at all. And that egg just really helped. So if that little demo was for one 
one person to help with that, then, then it was worth it. Okay, so God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, laying the foundation, the Holy Spirit is God. He is God. The second point I wanna make is that the Holy Spirit is active in both the Old Testament and New Testament. I think sometimes we think that maybe um, the Holy Spirit really, he's not really involved until Pentecost in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Like th that's where he's at. He, he gets the spotlight there. Um, but I wanted to highlight that through all of God's word in all of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is active the Holy Spirit participated in creation, Genesis 1-2. The Holy Spirit gives life to humanity and other creatures in Genesis 2-7. He strives with sinners, we read in Genesis 6-30. He came upon certain judges, warriors, and prophets and gave them extraordinary power. An example is Joshua, Gideon, and Samson, just to name a few of them, played a prominent role in Old Testament prophecy. David had declared in 2 Samuel 23, 22, that the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. And Ezekiel reported in Ezekiel 2, 2, that the spirit entered me when he spoke to me. The spirit inspired holiness in Old Testament believers. Ezekiel 36, 27 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was crucial in helping God's people anticipate the ministry of the Messiah. All throughout the Old Testament, there's prophecy that points to Jesus time and time again. All of the Old Testament is about Jesus, and all of the New Testament is about Jesus. And we see that Jesus fulfills prophecy that was written in Isaiah hundreds of years before he actually came, and he fulfills it, we see, in the book of Luke. The Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. And then we see that the Holy Spirit is present and active even in the New Testament and before Pentecost. I just wanted to highlight a couple of those spots. Luke chapter 1, 15, it says, For he, John the Baptist, who we're talking about, will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Luke 1:41 Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice she exclaimed Luke 1:67 Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied all these people were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke forth words about Jesus Christ and then the Holy Spirit at Pentecost woo um, everything changes. I could talk about this and it gets me excited. Um, and I'm gonna be talking more about this in week three of it. So I, I, I'm just gonna briefly talk on this part. Acts chapter one, verses four through nine. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. That's what we just read. You heard me talk about it. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. I'm jumping down to Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, so they're all filled, a crowd gathers and they begin to preach the gospel, what Jesus just told them to do. You're gonna be my witnesses. And so Peter in verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and you and you and you and you and you and your children and for all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. I can't wait to talk more about this, but when the Holy Spirit fell and the gift of his Holy Spirit filled his people, brings me to my next point. The Holy Spirit now lives inside those who have made Jesus their Lord. The Holy Spirit lives inside those who have made Jesus their Lord. When I talked about the Lordship of Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, when you say yes to him and no more of what you want, you can be the boss and not me. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you have said yes to Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Do we, do we believe that? Like, do we really, do we get that? Do we really get that? I have a couple verses. I'm not sure if they're gonna pop up on the screen, but I still wanted to read them to you. I don't know if we get it. We, we can say it. We're like, yeah, I know that. I know that. First Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Second Timothy 1.14 says, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Romans 8.11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Whether you're newer to faith or you've been following him a long time, we can say that, that I believe that his Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I had said point number three, and it was kind of quiet in here. There wasn't like this giant shout of an amen in there, but church, do you really get that? Because I think you would, I think you would change everything about who we are that the spirit of the living God is alive and living inside of me. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is alive and living and dwells inside of me. It would change how I live every part of my life. We wouldn't be people who come in and participate in a message and make it out back into our car and we turn the ignition and it's like, well, that was great. And now I'm going back home 
to the pit of despair. The living God is with you. When you walk into your home, the spirit of God is with you. When you walk into your workplace, the spirit of the living God is with you. When you're talking to your neighbor, God himself goes with you. Do you get it, church? I think it would change our church, it would change our city, it would change our nation if the people of God lived as if they actually believed that. <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna be a church that lives like we actually believe that. The spirit of the living God is alive and living inside of me that it would change our homes. It would change how we disciple our children. Whoa, I hope it helped me not walk into podiums. That it would change how we interact in our marriage, how, how we believe for redemption and restoration in broken marriages because the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ who raised Jesus from the dead has the power to save your marriage is the power to go after your child who's running away and lost in addiction. The Spirit of God is with you when you pray for them while they sleep. The Spirit of God is alive and living inside of you. Would it change also how you look at your children as well? That your seven-year-old who has said yes to Jesus has the Spirit of the living God inside your seven-year-old? My kids are carriers of the Holy Spirit. Carriers of the Holy Spirit. The final point I wanna make is that the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. He always points to Jesus. Before Jesus said, peace out, he's like, I'm leaving, peace out. He said, go and make disciples. Share the gospel. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tell everybody about me. But don't worry. You can't do this on your own. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be filled with power in order to do this. What is this? To share the gospel of Jesus. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to tell people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit wrote a book. He wrote a book, it's called the Bible. And in 2 Peter, it tells us the Spirit directed and controlled the writers of scripture. Just wanna stop there for a second. If I have the faith to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is alive and living and is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and I've placed my faith in that, then I have the faith to believe that the Holy Spirit directed men and gave him the words of God that these are not just a collection of stories written by man, it is one story written by the Holy Spirit that just so happened to use the pen of a man. This is the word of God. This is his word. And while human writers employed pen and paper, the Holy Spirit employed those men. And all of scripture points to and testifies about Jesus. All of the Old Testament is about Jesus. All of the New Testament is about Jesus. So in other words, the Holy Spirit 
who is God, chose to write a book. And he chose to write one book. And he chose to write that entire book about Jesus Christ. As God, because that's point number one, the Holy Spirit is God. So as God, the Holy Spirit is free to do all that pleases him. And it pleases him to make much to do about Jesus. It pleased him to do that when he wrote the Bible. It pleases him to do that through each of us. So it's our job to obey the Father and to partner with the Holy Spirit by teaching Christ, by sharing the gospel of Jesus, by exalting biblical truth in our homes and in our churches. So if you've wondered, is Life Church Buffalo about the Holy Spirit? Yes, we are. But with that, that means that we are all about Jesus Christ. We are all about Jesus. There's a book that I once read. It's called The Student Ministry and Supremacy of Christ. And there's a line um, that I wanted to read from it. It says that every dimension of hope is initiated by the Father, developed by the Spirit, while always exalting the Son. I thought that was a special line from that book. So God the Father who is perfect and holy and loves us, we sinned and we were separated from God and he was like, I'm not gonna leave you like that. So I'm gonna come up with a rescue plan and his name is Jesus Christ. God the Son is Jesus Christ and when we confess and we repent of our sin and we declare him as Lord of our life, then the Holy, God, the Holy Spirit fills us, dwells inside of us, and empowers us to do all that we are called to do. Some of you guys are questioning, what, what is the will of God for my life? The will of God for your life is to go preach the gospel of Jesus. To go and make disciples. That was the last thing that Jesus told any of us. Go and make disciples. Preaching the gospel of Jesus is not just the role of the pastor or Pastor Pete, and I can't wait to have him back. It's not just the directors here who are working at church. It's all of you guys. If you have made Jesus the leader of your life, you are called to go and make disciples, to preach the gospel of Jesus, share the testimony. I want you guys to be walking billboards of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. I would be dead if it wasn't for Jesus. I wouldn't be here if he didn't save me from the pit of despair that I lived in. I will live my life to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ and that is your job too. But you don't have to do it on your own. You have the Holy Spirit with you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. That moment that you said yes, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is in you and he is with you. Go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the work of God's spirit in the world today. John Piper explains it this way. I thought that this was really special. The spirit is sent to make Christ real to people. If, if you've yet to ex accept Jesus, this is that missing part where you're like, it's just not, I don't get it yet. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He makes Christ real to us. The Spirit is sent to make Christ real to people and to show us who he really is in his glory 
so that we come to love him and trust him and obey him and show him to the world. What this means is that the Holy Spirit is more likely to come in power where the truth about Jesus is being lifted up and made plain. The Spirit loves to come and take the truth about Jesus and turn it into an experience of Jesus. I want to experience Jesus. How about you? I want to experience Jesus. So we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but we have to ask our step, ourselves, are we in step with the Holy Spirit by making much to do of Jesus in our church and in our homes and in our marriages and in our families and at the workplace and wherever your life is bringing you? The Holy Spirit gives power to the gospel that we proclaim. And I want the Spirit to do a mighty work in your life. And I want the Spirit to do a mighty work in this church. I want, I know he is with us right now and he is in you guys, but I want to see a move of God where he just pours out his presence. There have been times throughout history where he chooses to make his, his presence known. And I want that for our church. I want that for our church. When we partner with him in pointing people to Jesus, we can, we can trust that the Holy Spirit is gonna come in and fill those places because he loves to point people to Jesus. So Jesus Christ himself lived in the spirit. Christ literally means anointed one. And Jesus lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said to us, guys, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I love when he said that I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that I live my life by, I'm gonna give it to you. Like, have we really thought of it that way? The same spirit that Jesus walked on this earth with, he was like, whatever I had, I'm gonna give it to you. We get to live by that same, by that same power. If you're a Christian, to live a spirit-filled life means to live a life that is patterned after Jesus Christ. Sometimes we think that being spirit-filled goes, oh no, he's, he's gonna make me weird. <laughs> no, no, he's not. The Holy Spirit is gonna make you more like Jesus. He's gonna make you like Jesus. You can't be like Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And he wants to bring you the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what we're gonna be talking about next week and I can't wait to unpack that with you and your children. And those who live in the Spirit and spend time with the Lord are able to rise above the flesh and the temptations. They're able to rise above the troubles and the trials of life and those who instigate us those who live in the spirit with such an awareness and partnership with the Holy Spirit, utilizing the gifts that he's given us. Week three, I'm gonna be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I just wanna encourage you with this. He didn't forget you. He didn't miss you. He didn't go, oh, I didn't give her a gift. Nope, not, not this one. I can't wait, cannot wait to jump in with that with our church. but we're gonna be sharing the testimony of Jesus. We're gonna partner with the Holy Spirit and we're gonna give all the glory to Jesus Christ. If, God, if he said it was good for me, then I want whatever Jesus has. And so in my close today, we learned that the Holy Spirit is God, that the Holy Spirit is all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament and with us today, and that the Holy Spirit is alive and living inside of those who have made Jesus their Lord. 
and the Holy Spirit points people to Jesus. So as, as I close, I have three things I wanna ask my church as we start off this series. And I, I hope I introduce the Holy Spirit to those of you who are brand new to this. And maybe you've, you've been a Christian for 30 or 40 years and you still have some questions or some apprehensions. During this series, I have an ask for you. Number one, I want you to, will you go all in? Will you go all in, even if it's new to you? Will you let go of all of your fears and your misconceptions? Earlier we prayed this, God, will you reveal to me all that you have for me? Will we trust him? It's not my personality type, I don't know. If God has it for you, God, will you reveal to me all that you have for me? God, will you reveal to the people in this church all that you have for them? Will you go all in in this series? Number two, I want you to develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. You may have never thought of him like this. Ultimately, that's his role in your life. The Holy Spirit is who makes God personal to us. He's the one who you're riding in the car with and singing in your kitchen, stirring spaghetti sauce. And he's the one who, when you're lying in your bed crying and you're thinking that you're all alone, that he's right there with you. The Father has a role. Jesus has a role. And the Holy Spirit has a role in your life. All three of these are mentioned in Paul's closing benediction or his final prayer that he signs off, his second letter to the Corinthians at the very end. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. That's what I want for my church, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, that the love of the Father be with you and that the fellowship or the friendship of his Holy Spirit be with all of you of you, that you would know him personally, that you would be able to say, he's my best friend. He's my best friend. He's my best friend. I want that for my church. I don't want you to live this life, this side of eternity, okay with God the Father, great with Jesus and just shut out the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. He has so much for you. And my final ask for you during the series is would you join me in praying for a movement of the Holy Spirit in our church? Church, I want us to be hungry for that. There have been times in history where the Holy Spirit has decided to show up and to make his presence known, where he just blows in and people are crying out in repentance, that they're crying out for more of him. And church, I want that. I want that for our church. I want that for our city. I want that for our nation. I don't want just a Sunday fix. Let me go in and get my fix 
before I make it through the rest of the week. I want to encounter the Holy Spirit in this place. I want to see him rushing through our altars. I want to see people fall to their knees. I want to see the Holy Spirit pour out in this place. I'm asking my church, and especially for those of you who know what I'm talking about, I want you to earnestly pray that with me for our church. I want our church to be known in our community that people are going, did you hear? Did you hear what's going on over there? Did you hear? I want that for us. I want to elevate Christ and for his presence to fall in this place. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, you are awesome and powerful and mighty. And you are with us today. You are in us. And we just give you all of the praise and all of the glory and and God, would you just continue to make more Christ, make Jesus more real to us? As we are people who go out into our communities, into our homes, into our families, would we be carriers of your mission? That we would be people who go and make Christ known. But God, we pray for a move of your Holy Spirit that yes, we are filled, but my prayer is that we would be filled to overflowing, that we would be filled to overflowing. That is my prayer for us today, that we would encounter the living God, that we would be a people who live with such an awareness of who he is, that he is with us in our homes, that he's with us with our children, that when our kids walk into high schools and college students walk onto campuses, that they are bringing Christ with them, the power of the Holy Spirit. God, would you mark us? Would you mark us? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit in this place? And all God's people said, amen and amen and amen. I hope you are excited, church. I hope you are excited. If you're a volunteer and you need to get in place, now is the time to do that. I'm just excited to be able to bring God's word and talk about the Holy Spirit with my church. I hope that you are excited. And one more quick reminder is, I really want to encourage you to make it out to our 4th of July special family experience. We, we got some special things that are gonna be happening and we're gonna be highlighting some kids and incorporating them into different parts of the service. So I'm just really excited. I hope you have a blessed, week. I hope that you spend some time with the Holy Spirit this week and read John chapters 13 through 17. Peace out. Bye guys. Differently